Welcome back to University Radio. A mysterious light has been seen in the sky on the 5th, 9th, and 17th night of the month for the last two months. The Astrology Club has confirmed that these lights may be extraterrestrial in origin. Various student groups have already begun to try and interpret the will of these mysterious lights. The interpretations have varied quite wildly. However, Every group insists that the mysterious lights are demanding that the rough patch of sidewalk by the road next to the library must be looked at. Are these truly messages from beings among the stars? Or is this just some complex plan to trick university staff into looking at problem spots around campus? Only time will tell. Campus is buzzing, or should I say quacking this week, as Habitat for Humanity announces that it will allow the two ducks previously running the organization to resume their positions. This came after several weeks of closed-door meetings between university leadership and the two ducks. Various character witnesses on behalf of the ducks argued that the ducks had shown exemplary leadership, both as members of the alumni community and as leaders in Habitat for Humanity. Their fundraising efforts had managed to raise over $500,000 for the organization. In light of this, and likely following a strong condemnation from the Order of the Golden Dawn, university leadership will allow the Ducks to resume their positions. Our Global Studies Department waved goodbye to five senior students traveling to Nepal this week for a six-week study of the Himalayan Mountains. The students will attempt to recreate the harshest survival conditions imaginable, bringing no food and limited water in an attempt to contact the afterlife. They believe the harsh environment and the mental and physical toll it will take on their bodies will bring them right up to death's door. They hope that this research will bring a new understanding to ghost-human contact. Unbeknownst to the students, a live stream has been set up where they plan to make camp, so all of us here on campus will be able to watch the literal madness unfold live and in full 4K resolution. Best of luck to these brave explorers. Just when I thought we'd finally managed to save mail, folks, I received a brand new sealed package at the cafe this week. I'm very excited by any opportunity to return to the letter corner. This one has come in a small square package about 6 inches by 6 inches by 6 inches all around. Inside the package is a small card, which I will read in a moment, and a puzzle box. It's very intricately decorated with little golden symbols that I cannot understand. The card reads, I know you'll never stop looking. This won't bring her back, but it will give you answers. I just pray they are the answers you are looking for. It's signed, Philip. I've got to say, folks, I am very disappointed in this week's letter corner. What's usually a time for reflection over people's most intimate communications has been positively hijacked this week by what I can only call supernatural shenanigans. However, it is my moral obligation to ensure that all mail reaches its final destination. If you are expecting a small puzzle box from someone named Philip, Please, write into the show, and I will send your mail right along. This week's episode is, of course, sponsored by TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays is proud to be serving Beyond Meat Chili now. Being one of the first restaurants to serve the Beyond Burger, 
TGI Fridays has always cared about innovation and inclusion. The restaurant's new mascot, named Potato Skin, also endorses the new loaded potato skins. The restaurant's new sentient mascot, named Potato Skin, also endorses the new loaded potato skins, saying, I love it. Potatoes loaded up with Beyond Chili. I'm in. You can find out more of Potato Skin's thoughts by following at Potato in Chief on Twitter. We're also sponsored this week by a very generous donation from Backwards Alphabets. Backwards Alphabets are available for any amateur cult or alternative practice group to really give your ceremonies that extra bit of flair. Don't be afraid to spice up your next ceremony with Backwards Alphabets. It's a thrill to be able to return to A Look Back this week. A Look Back is co-developed with the worst of humanity gathered at University Paper. Last time, we covered the rise and the first victory of the University at the Top of the Hill Hilltoppers. This week, we'll be looking at the dynamic season of 1964 and the enigmatic figure at the heart of it all. She went by many names. The Thunderclap. The original sin, the hand of retribution. But Melissa Fedorka was better known around campus simply as the coach. Coach Fedorka was born in Western Yugoslavia in 1934. She had a relatively uneventful childhood, the daughter of a miner and a teacher. Despite her mother's long shifts in the mines, the family would always make sure to play basketball at least once a day. Melissa showed a strong aptitude for the sport and wowed the world when she brought her very own team to the 1956 Summer Olympics. When asked what country she represented, she simply stated, My own. Her team would go on to win gold in 1956 and 1960. However, it was college basketball where Svidorka found her true calling. After being approached by many promising universities, Svidorka eventually took a job here at the University at the Top of the Hill in 1964. When Svidorka joined the team, things were far from the heights they had been when the team was founded. The players were dull and uninterested, and nothing resembling that exciting first match against Baaskiet Ball had happened in many years. But this all changed with Svidorka's new approach to coaching. Instead of being fed a diet strictly consisting of chips, players were encouraged to diversify their flavor profiles to include both savory and even sweet foods. The introduction of fruits radically changed the team's dynamic. Instead of the usual practice regiment of one day every two weeks, Svidorka made practice five days a week, focusing on team-building exercise and practicing what she referred to as plays. Slowly, the winds began to mount up. Players were energized, and all of campus began to pour love and support on their once downtrodden team. Stadiums were packed, and certain students even began to take time off of school to follow the Hilltoppers across the country. The 1964 team would go on to win all but one of their matches, their sixth game against Johns Hopkins University. In spite of this upset, however, the 1964 team of Hilltoppers would go down as legends on campus, and their names are still recorded in the secret history books the school keeps guarded 24-7. This concludes this week's segment of A Look Back.
I've only covered the highlights here, folks, and I am contractually obligated to say that if you'd like to read more about the 1964 Hilltoppers team, be sure to check out University Paper. But really, you've gotten the important bits here. Well, the moon is slowly setting behind that distant tree line, which means I should probably begin to pack things up here. I realized today I made the silly mistake of not turning on any lights in the cafe. I thought it seemed a little empty tonight. Well, never mind that now. An important update from the Campus Center. The Campus Center would like to remind you that any bikes parked in front of the building will likely be devoured by the creatures that feed in the shadows. We have found that bikes are one of their favorite foods. However, you would also do well to avoid parking your cars too close to the Campus Center. Better to be safe than sorry.